Welcome back to another edition of It's Raining Mets, and you've got me, Ed Russo, and... Meteorologist Tom Russell, and Ed, it's great to hear your voice. You know, we see on TV, but you and I really don't get a chance to hunker down and work together, so much less see each other. I know, I had to, uh, I actually had to um, go on the CBS 21 website and look you up, because I forgot (laughs) what you look like and who you are. You're the meteorologist, you're my supervisor, right? Exactly. And and as your supervisor, I needed to bring this up, address this with you. Uh, you have grown full facial hair yeah. in the time that we've been off. And uh, our viewers might not recognize you, Ed, because now you have a full Grizzly Adam beard, right? I, I know. And the issue is with the promos, the promos that run on TV. It's like, you know, <laughs> that guy, but then who's this guy? Yeah, you were clean shaven back then. I know. I have, you know, my head without a beard when it's this long, it just looks like a broom or a mop. So, so what, you wanted to grow the beard? You're not I wanted to grow the later. beard because I, I look, you know, it just, it, my hair kind of grows out a little bit. I look like a mushroom. So I well, feel like. I definitely have, uh, I have the big hair as well, but yeah. I, I decided not to, I can't really grow a beard like you can. So I, I, I do shave, but I, I think the beard does you well, though. I must say it's a good Thank you. Beard. Thank you. You know, I, um, I, uh, I wasn't sure if it was going to be approved by management, so it's just kind of a wait and see thing. And and that they, they told me that they're monitoring it, but <laughs> monitoring it. <laughs> they're monitoring it. So, um, yeah. So I, I I guess I got the go ahead, and uh, when I guess we'll really know when things go back to normal. Well, we'll know things are back to normal when you shave, right? So that'll be our our metric, our monitor. Right, right, right. Where, yeah. where is Ed's beard? Because what you could do is you could shave it down to. You know, either uh, sideburns or just a mustache, and then we could say we're we're in the yellow phase, and then we'll know. We're <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I've also wondered too: is having a beard somewhat of a health hazard because you know it collects it stuff? Germs, sure. Yeah. Um, now, the, my girlfriend hasn't said anything about it, so that could uh-huh. be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. Right. Um, I'm not. Right. You know, I still feel like I can't just flat out ask her. Well, I think she would say something like, you know, I would think no news is good news. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We'll see. I'm sure it'll come up. We should talk a little bit about weather. Um, Mm -hmm. So let's talk about what's happening. And then I got a couple other topics I want to throw at you because, you know, as you're listening to this, Ed and I haven't had a chance to to really catch up. But uh, let's talk about April and May. May has been really cool so far. And we finally see breaking out of that. But we were running at one time seven degrees below average for May. That's impressive. Yeah, and it was weird because uh, last weekend, you know, I'm starting to forget what the weather was yesterday just because of all this flip-flop. But we were warm (laughs) one weekend, like shorts and short-sleeve weather. And then the previous weekend, we had that dusting in in Lancaster, Lidditz. Right. Right. Yeah, snow one weekend and uh, sunny and 80 the, the next weekend. So we've had our fair share. Now, the other thing that jumped out to me in May, and I shared this one night on the news, is we were very dry. So it was a little surprise to me that more than halfway through the month, we were down by about an inch and a quarter as far as precipitation. And the perception is we've had tons of rain, and we really haven't in May. We did in April, but not so much sure. May, right? And, you know, yeah, right. And and it's, it's kind of ironic that we're saying this because – Last week we were concerned about flooding, and I yeah. yeah, and I kept reiterating over the weekend that this setup is incredibly complicated because you know a, a lot of um, you know w- when you're looking at the atmosphere and the way low pressure moves across the country from west to east, 
um, usually these low pressure systems are attached to the jet stream in mm -hmm. some way. Uh, but this last system was completely cut off from the jet. So it just, right. it was very hard to predict where this little, where this large area of upper level low pressure was going to go. And at the same time, we had Arthur off the coast and hurricanes are so hard to predict because they form in the in the tropics where you don't have a real strong jet stream and and just the steering flow is weak. So you have two systems where the steering flow is weak and usually the when you have a jet stream you can have a higher confidence on where a storm system is going to go but these things were just sitting and spinning mm -hmm. uh, basically with nothing to steer them. So you know all the model data that we use uh, struggles to figure out where these things are going to go. So and you know, with that, we were in this no man's land in between the two. So, you know, nailing down our forecast was was really interesting. And when you look at it just from a simple mileage standpoint, we weren't far from a lot of rain. We saw the flooding in Michigan, but then the closer stuff to us was, you know, like Morgantown, West Virginia, Ohio, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just a, a few hours away, they had tons of rain. So my take on this is we were very fortunate to not be in a flooding setup. Uh, we saw what happened with those dams, and we also saw, oh yeah, uh, I think Cincinnati, some other major areas uh, got inundated with rain. So we were very fortunate. Sure, but at the same time, you know, this is a threat, you know, by Thursday and Friday of last week, we were, you know, all indications were that we were going to see this heavy rain over us. We knew it was going to happen somewhere, right. um, but with just the, the weather pattern, uh, you know, and I even said this on Saturday, I said my confidence, you know, I'll be straight up, is really low. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like a lot of, you know, forecasts, and Tom, you, you know this, especially in winter weather, you know, the confidence can be low. You have to make a decision. You have to, right. at the end of the day, the meteorologist has to make a forecast, has to make a decision. But there are certain setups, and this last weekend included, where your confidence is low because there are so many things that could happen that affects how the system's going to play out. It's r literally chaos. And the, right. you know, the models often have a struggle. And that was the particular setup. This last weekend, the setup was very, very difficult to forecast for. And fortunately for us, we didn't see as much rain as we thought we might get. Right. And and, and that leads into, you know, us being in this rather dry pattern, which mm -hmm. is pretty unusual after coming out of the, the wet April. Um, but yeah, it, it's been interesting to watch. I think we're finally starting to turn that tide now back to the warm and humid stuff. As we work into the week ahead, we're going to see, you know, those temperatures return to 80s and, and everybody's kind of ready for that. But what they're not ready for is the humidity. Mm -hmm. So everybody wants the warm weather. Nobody wants the humidity. And I think that's going to be the big striking feature as we move here toward the end of May. It's like, oh, yeah, it's nice and warm. Oh, man, it's too humid. <laughs> I know <laughs> we go, humid. you know, everything is is perception but i, I got to tell you the human race goes so fast from complaining from one extreme to the other <laughs> we, we are a fickle bunch that is true we are everything has to be perfect all the time but you know what it's just not it's well, just not the perfect other, the other thing i notice is you know being in this quarantine and, and talking to folks and just getting reaction the weather has so much to do with our mood even though uh, and maybe more so that we're stuck at home. I, I'm not exactly sure why. Uh, but, you know, I think weather kind of gets passed by when you're running from your house into your work or school or whatever you're doing. You don't really notice the weather if you're 
you know, not in tune with it. But being at home for some reason has brought people more in touch with, you know, going out for a hike and, and being in touch with the outdoors a little bit. And I've really noticed how much the weather is playing into to people's moods. And when we have those cloudy and dreary days, it's like, come on, we need some sunshine. Plus, on the science side, it seems to help um, kill the virus with, with sunshine. And it helps your body when you have more vitamin D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been reading that, too. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how this, you know, how, how the case count is uh, affected by this. Now that we're finally heading into a... A warmer pattern. A warmer uh, pattern. I still see... I still see a lot of cloud cover here, even as we push into uh, this last part of May. So even though we're warmer, we still may not get the full sunshiny kind of days. But let me uh, ask you what you're seeing, because when we take out, you know, a couple more weeks into June, I still don't see any big heat. Like it gets warmer, it gets more humid, but I don't see 90s. I don't see those no. big uh, heat kind of days. Do you? No, no, I don't. I, I don't see that either. Now, it may feel like it's warmer than it should be because it's just been so colder than it should be um but you know the interesting thing i i tell people is usually we don't see our hottest days in may and june especially sure. june because june is you know the this is where the the uh misperception happens you know the summer solstice um usually we don't see our hottest weather in june even though the sun is most directly overhead right so right. i always tell people seasonal lag you don't see your hottest days until august late July, August, early September, because, you know, it, it takes a lot of uh, energy to heat up water and to right. heat up the land, the soil temperature. And they don't, they're not at their warmest point until August and, you know, late July, August and early September. Um, and I always, you know, take people back to their high school years. Uh, water has a very high specific heat and anything with a high specific heat, that basically means it's hard, really hard, takes a lot of energy to warm up and cool down that particular right. substance and water is has a very high specific heat and we're close to the atlantic it's not like right. I, I know it takes a couple hours to get there but when you look at the whole country where we're at i mean we're basically next to the atlantic and we've yeah, seen right. this over the past few days with east flow we get that stubborn cloud deck we get those cooler temperatures and certainly this time of the year even into june we don't see our hottest days because the ocean's still kind of cold so. Right. It has a moderating effect. Well, the way I always explain temperature lag on a smaller scale is just in the day. So your your peak sunshine is at noontime, but your high temperature for the day usually comes in late afternoon. Right. So I, most people don't grasp that. It's the same way your, your coolest part of the day is right before dawn as well because of that, what we call the temperature lag. So... Um, yeah, we're, we're headed for it. And the, the metric uh, that we like to use at CBS 21 is how many days, 90 plus. And I think we had kind of an average summer last year, if I remember right. Um, yeah. We weren't you know, super hot. We had our fair share. But as Ed mentioned, uh, usually comes in uh, in July and August as far as those 90s. But that, that seems like a long way away. We just reached our first 80, what, uh, Friday a week ago um for the first time since since the fall so 90 still seems uh, a little bit farther in the in the distance are we ready for it that's the question <laughs> are we ready for it i am I, I i don't mind the heat i'm a i'm a summer guy so yeah, yeah. 
I don't mind that at all. Um, as far as the outlet goes, we mentioned this the last couple of podcasts. We definitely see a warmer than average trend, a wetter than average trend. And I'm okay with that. I like going into the drier summer months uh, ahead rainfall wise. So uh, are you kind of seeing the same thing? For, yep, when, yep. when I say, I mean, June, July, August, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, no, I'm thinking the same thing as you. And I think uh, a lot of people are going to be happy about it too, because we're, you know, we've just been in that. Well, when people want the cold, it's the heart of the winter and the winter never wanted to cool down. And we entered the spring that never wanted to warm up. And now we kind of get a correction of the seasons. It finally feels how it should for this time of the year. That's when, that's one way to put it. Yeah. Uh, with that transition, let's talk about hurricane season. Um, the, you know, Colorado State comes out first, and they put out yep. a season that they thought was going to be above average. And then just this past week, uh, National Weather Service and the Hurricane Center just put out their 2020 Atlantic Hurricane Season Outlook. So uh, I'll mention these, and you comment on them. Looks like 13 to 19 name storms. Yeah. Of those, 6 to 10 will become hurricanes, and then uh, 3 to 6 of those will become major hurricanes yeah. which are category and three I, and higher. I saw that tweet earlier now that, that that seems to me I mean based just off of hearing that because I saw that I just saw the tweet earlier today that seems well that's above normal yeah definitely above normal yeah uh, and the reasons for that uh, have to do with uh, uh, warmer than average uh, waters right off the uh, Florida coast off the Gulf uh, and we just saw that we already had a name storm. We had Arthur mm -hmm. uh, right in the midst there, just off the coast of, of Miami, kind of between uh, Miami and Cuba and then the Bahamas. And by the way, the, um, that was the sixth, this is the sixth consecutive year where yep. we've seen um, a named storm. storm before the hurricane season officially starts. Which is June 1st. So Which that means June the 1st. last six years we've had one in may yeah uh, so that's kind of you know you start to see six years that's kind of a trend as opposed to an anomaly so. right right um, um so we do anticipate a, a higher than average um hurricane season uh for us and ed did a whole story on this about you know we get some of our heaviest rains and unfortunately flooding rains from old dying tropical systems you know you went back and you studied uh um Agnes, and we talked about the, the ones in 2004 and Tropical Storm Lee in 2011. Um, so we really do have to pay attention to these things. And, and an active season could mean, uh, you know, wetter than average for us, even as we push into August and September. So sure. uh, it, it should be an interesting season to watch. Yeah, yeah, it should. You know, and I like that, you know, active season, it's always, you know, perception. You know, you could have a very active season where most of the hurricanes and tropical storms remain offshore, which would be great. Mm -hmm. Right. Obviously, the more tropical activity you have, the increased chance you have of one of them making landfall. But remember, you know, 1992 was not necessarily considered an accurate year, a active year in terms of the number of storms. Right. But you had one hurricane named Andrew that caused catastrophic damage in South Florida. So, an an inactive season with one powerful hurricane that makes landfall. Uh, could be considered an active season because you you call you're talking about something that causes irreversible damage to a town, uh, irreversible, uh, obviously loss of life. So I really I'm kind of on the fence about using the term active season because it just takes one catastrophic right. storm to um, alter the landscape and the lives of people forever. It sure does. So it's uh, it's important to to be ready be prepared and uh, it affects our vacation seasons uh it, it affects a lot of things so, yeah yeah um, 
It's something to watch. Um, oh, the other thing I wanted to mention before we go is uh, there was a, a tremendous special, and I hate to plug another network, but it was... Uh, I know what you're going to say, that Ted Fujita. Yeah, Dr. Yeah. Fujita was an amazing scientist who uh, created what we call the F scale, and now the Enhanced Fujita Scale, EF1, uh, 2, 3. That's how we uh, measure tornadoes. And the special that they had, if you get a chance to watch it, we highly recommend it, uh, talked about how he was really out on a limb. So we're talking about, uh, you know, guys in, in post-World War II in the 50s and 60s before we had the technology of, of radar and that was just kind of coming along. He really was looking for a way to quantify and help us as scientists study tornadoes and what he did revolutionized how we looked at tornadoes so he had some of these i don't know if you, you saw the special then i i did not but i had planned on watching it uh you, you i plan watch on watching it with the entire family we just haven't had time yet in the in the next day or two well, don't my, give me any family, spoilers <laughs> just tell me it's good my family's not much of a science uh, geek family, so it was just me watching alone. But uh, it just showed with how with your two with your two weenies, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, they... weenies. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, but how he would hand draw these these you know he gave us these images that we hadn't really conceptualized before about hot you know air rising and then air uh, dropping and you know he created the whole idea of microbursts later in his sure. in his studies but he met um, he met a lot of resistance i mean i mean vegeta yeah. got a lot of resist resistance from other scientists well that's what you learn when you watch the uh, watch the study he was really out on a limb and he was looking for the data to support these at the time out there kind of ideas now mm -hmm. we go well duh uh but he was really out on a limb like you mentioned and, and he was kind of an outcast and he was looking right. for a way to really prove his theories and what turned the tide was the, what we call the super outbreak of 1974 and that's when we had tornadoes from alabama all the way up to chicago and he was studying at chicago he was a professor there and uh, he was able at, right after that outbreak happened to gather uh, an immense amount of data between, you know, it was the first time we really took a good uh, collection of photographs from these storms, uh, paths, um, you know, really stuff that he could drill down and work from. And it revolutionized the way uh, we forecasted, the way we look at tornadoes and learn about tornadoes. So I highly recommend it. It's uh, Dr. Fujita. Yeah. And it was on the PBS. I think you can stream it, right? Or maybe. Yeah, no. And I'm, I'm so glad it's available to so many to so many people for free, essentially, right. if you have an Internet connection. You know, I, one last thing, and I think this is pretty powerful before we end the podcast is, you know, you. As a scientist, I mean, Tom, at the end of the day, a meteorologist, you and I, we're, we're scientists. We, we always have to, you know, approach data and theory with skepticism. And, mm -hmm. you know, Dr. Ted Fujita was, was uh, a master at, at approaching everything that we think is true with skepticism. The biggest revolutions and the biggest advances in science happen because somebody somebody in the some minority in the crowd of the majority is skeptic of the way most people perceive something works so you well, always sure. you always have to be a skeptic and test theory because 
what you think is true may not be true at all. And the more you realize or the more you try to figure something out, the more you realize you know nothing about it at all. And that, that, that is the uh, purity of, of the scientific mind. And that's, that's what science is all about. It's, it's, it's always trying to disprove what you think to be true. And, and Ted Fujita was a master at that. And I think that's something, that's a, that's a definite takeaway for, for people to, to understand and, and really take with them when, when watching something like that. Because he was met with a lot of resistance. And again, science's major advances in science are not made with uh, applause initially. It's always met, met with some X level of resistance. So you always have to be skeptical of what uh, the mainstream thinks is true, even in the scientific community. Definitely in the scientific community, because, you, you know, what you described is the scientific method is, is taking thinking and turn it upside down, look at it a different way and challenge the norm. And that's why you and I have talked about the whole idea of consensus. That's consensus isn't science. Science is right. Is bucking that consensus, right. bucking and, that trend. Right. And, and, and the way the majority thinks isn't necessarily doesn't make it true. Right. Just because the majority is thinks that this is the way this works doesn't make it's true. It doesn't mean it's true. The 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 pioneering only comes from can only exist if most people don't really think that. That's why it's pioneering because it's new, it's innovative. You can't be innovative without being in the minority. Good point. Yeah. Good point. So. Well, great to catch up with you, my friend. Yeah. And uh, hopefully we'll be back in the studio together soon. But uh, Ed's been doing some great work, if you're interested, uh, on your, which is called Weather Education. Uh, real quick, you do those live on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. And tomorrow, we kind of talked about ocean circulation on Wednesday. And tomorrow, you know, the, the, you know, it's a hot topic. You know, is it safe to open up beaches now? I know some some... Um, officials are saying, you know, it's not wise to go to the beach right now, but the beaches are open and there's, there's danger at the beach, um, because you got okay. rip currents, you got, you know, the water temperature is still colder than normal. So you have cold water shock. So, uh, we know a lot of people are going to go to the beach this weekend. So it's still important to cover all those water safety topics. So that's what we're going to be tackling tomorrow, especially, you know, how rip currents do, how rip currents work what to do if you get caught in, in one and, and all that stuff. So that, and that's I the can, topic uh, on Friday. Attest, Ed, by the way, is an expert. He is a, a, a avid surfer, so he, yeah. he knows what he's talking I've, about. So. Yeah, I've seen, I've, seen, uh, I've seen people get into bad situations fast, so it's not something sure. I ever want to see again, but uh, something um, that everyone should know about, especially as we head into the very popular swim season. Awesome. Well, you're doing great work, my friend. Hopefully you we'll too. be together at uh, CBS 21 sometime soon. Yeah. Uh, stay safe and, and thanks for chatting with yeah, me. Yeah. And Tom, remember, like, text me a picture of yourself just so I know what you look like when I go back to work. <laughs> I'm the good looking one. You'll remember. <laughs> ah, yes, yes, of course. Of course. The most <laughs> handsome one in the building. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bud. All right. See ya.